The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by two very cool co-hosts. Laura Nash. And Shane Kelly. And this week we are swinging into talking about Webbed. Webbed is an indie game for PC, Switch, I believe Xbox, and maybe other consoles as well. Uh, and it uh, it came out last year, but it only just recently came out on Switch, which is our excuse for covering it now. Yeah, this is a really fun one. Um, this got a lot of attention on uh, Twitch, and I, I am loath to say that the uh, first time I got interested in playing this game um, is that my nephew, uh, who watches one of, obsessively watches one of the most annoying streamers that I've ever laid eyes upon, who I will not name. Name, names, name, names. Uh, was playing through this game. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that looks good. So I, I, this is, by the way, a four-year-old. Sorry, five-year-old. <laughs> so I learned about this game from a, from a, five, from a five-year-old iPad kid. <laughs> so you've been influenced. Is what I, I have hear. been heavily influenced, I suppose. I personally found out about this game um, in advance of its release last year, um, mostly via uh, uh, GIFs on Twitter. This game gifts better than almost anything I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to describe what we're looking at here, Webbed is a, uh, is a 2D platformer. Um, where you play as a very cute and happy little, pretty accurately drawn pixel art spider. Um, so like a, like a you know eight legs, big. I mean, if they screwed that eyes, up, what do you mean the eight legs? I mean, uh, okay, fair, pretty fair accurately point. drawn, and you're like, well, it's got eight legs. That's a spider. <laughs> Four eyes. I mean, I think for me, it's mostly the. The patterns, the bulbousness, uh-huh. the, the the proportion of the legs to the body is right. the thing I feel like is yeah. Easy it, it, to has, it has it like it rides a really interesting line between cute and very very accurate proportions. Um, I, so it's a it's a a game about spinning webs, swinging from webs, and uh, saving your boyfriend. The beginning of this game, uh, you the 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 spider who's presumably female. Um, your beautiful boyfriend, who is iridescent blue. I mean, biologically, because the male uh, is just iridescent and gorgeous, and as is so commonly true in nature, mm-hmm. the female is uh, just, you know, a, a really nice chestnut brown. Yes. Uh, but you are uh, you're having some kind of little party with your boyfriend when suddenly in swoops a villainous bowerbird who doesn't eat your boyfriend. Instead, apparently this bowerbird likes shiny blue objects. So she or he, the bowerbird, takes your boyfriend away to uh, their nest. Uh, and you uh, need to rescue the bowerbird. Uh, no, the, the boyfriend. The oh, excuse me. <laughs> right. Sorry. You need to rescue the boyfriend from the bowerbird, but you'll need some help. And so you need to explore the area around your spider web. Uh, and meet other birds, excuse me, meet other bugs and talk to them and uh, enlist their help, which usually involves doing stuff for them. I forgive all your misspeaks because this is not a bird week game. This is the first 
game we've played where the bird is the villain. Honestly, yeah, I think you're right. Like, this is the 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 worst video game bird since like the crows in Castlevania. Like, this is this is a mean bad bird that we don't like, and that's very rare in video games. Or at least in our very curated collection, it's generally pretty bird positive. Yeah, we're a bird positive podcast. We, you know, and I think this is, I mean, it's a shame that we have to be controversial or political, but we believe birds are real. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and this particular bowerbird, unfortunately, also real and very dangerous. The um, the the cool thing about this kind of early on is the 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 style of the game is visually um you know you it has this pixel art style but as you mentioned like very realistic in the uh, designs of the bugs um, and they're all real creatures you know realistically rendered in kind of sixteen bit style but then. Uh, just hilariously human in their behavior, which is a just a contrast that I absolutely love. Mm, the, yeah, they have they all have dialogue. I, this is one of the things I was not expecting about this game. You know, you, you know, I knew that you're going into this as a bug who's going out to save her boyfriend, but I wasn't quite realizing how many bugs you would have to talk to and how much they would have to say. There's there's a lot of bug talk in this game. There is a lot of bug dialogue. Um, that's what made I, I I can pretty much recommend playing this game um, with a four year old because I you know I having seen how much my little nephew liked watching it played I, I correctly figured that my son would like to watch it. Um, there are some puzzles that he was very frustrated that I was I was slow at, uh, mm. but for the most part he really liked it, and now he wants to pretend to be bugs all day, which was great. Oh, that's oh. awesome. My daughter liked watching uh, me play this game, too. And uh, we had exactly the same experience. Like, she doesn't usually request to watch me play a game, but she saw me play this game a little bit. And she was like, play the bug one, play the spider one. And then I would. And she would, you know, she enjoyed watching me swinging around. Uh, and then as as soon as I got into the anthill, uh, which is not <laughs> very far into the game, uh, the the like you know, immediate forward motion and joy of swinging around was replaced. We'll talk about this, I'm sure, with a lot of puzzle solving, uh, a lot of hitting spikes and exploding, a lot of trying to maneuver objects into uh, into different, you know, puzzle solution positions. And uh, immediately she was like, I don't I don't like this anymore. I don't want to see this. That actually only only made my son love it more because there's absolutely, absolutely nothing he enjoys more than seeing me get frustrated at a video game. Um. <laughs> I love it. I mean, the funny thing about that is uh, I think I was misled a little bit by all the gifts and because I thought this was mostly going to be a movement-based game about right. traversing areas and kind of navigating how you swing, how you move. Can you f- get to the hidden spot? Uh, th- I based that opinion solely on like, two minutes of a speed run and seeing people's gifts on the internet. And I was comparing it mentally to our good friend Yoku's Island Adventure, which is the bug dung beetle pinball game, but it's all about moving through these elaborate environments. This game is much more about, uh, at least in the beginning, it's more, there's a little bit of movement of 
traversal of like getting across and then it's puzzle platformer physics based. Mm -hmm. And then once you get out of that initial anthill, it, there's a lot more of the movement ever, but it's a bit of a movement sandwich. It's not a through line. I want to talk a little bit about the, the main mechanics. And one of the things that really surprised me most about this game is just how many mechanics it has. Um, so I, I won't like get too exhaustive here, but the, the main thing that you're doing in this game is spinning and swinging from webs. So, you know, you play as this little spider who can obviously move around and walk on floors. You can't climb walls in the way that you might expect a spider could, um, but you can climb webs. Uh, so we'll come to that in a second. Um, but your little spider, um, little side note, the animation that the spider does when it's walking is astonishing. This game has incredible animation in terms of like bug movement, like just really naturalistic, fun, expressive bug movement. And there is a dance button. You can have the spider do a little spider Super dance good. at literally any oh. time. As far as I know, it is basically useless, but it is extraordinary. Let me talk about the webs a bit. The controls in this game, of course, you get the basics, like you move your with your left analog stick, you jump with the A button. Um, but there are really two buttons, the left and right triggers for webbing and the agility and kind of complexity of what you can do with the combinations of those two buttons is pretty surprising. Um, I mean, maybe not surprising spiders are pretty good at this, but, um, so the one you use the most is a kind of a grappling web and that you're using the right analog stick to move a reticle and it will uh, shoot out a web and then pull you in that direction. And this one was pretty natural and kind of p- I picked up pretty quick. Um, it's a uh, I think it it's like a grappling we- hook in a yeah. lot of other games. Like mm-hmm. if you've played, like I was reminded of some of. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of. There was like an iOS um, like grappling hook swinging game that this hook kind champ? of remind. Yeah, probably Hook Champ. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this kind of reminded me of. Yeah. Actually, the thing that it reminded me most of was web swinging in something like uh, Spider Man for the PS4. It's it's like a really nice web swinging mechanic where it feels very physical, yeah. like you do have to anchor your uh, your web to something, even if it's potentially off screen. But Spider-Man then when you do hold it, the man. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does the it does a very natural swing movement that just feels very physics-y while also just being a good movement mechanic that feels like al- almost but not quite like flying. It's it really does like a perfect perfect like whatever the balance yeah. is there. And you do have to land it on, um, like, early in the game, nearly every surface you can attach a web to. Uh, The farther you get into the game, uh, the more specific and precise you have to be. Different surfaces can be attached to and and others can't. Uh, But then, like I mentioned, that's the right trigger. The left trigger is the weaving web, where Mm -hmm. um, this one gets really interesting because you press this and you'll use that reticle to attach web to a surface might be where you're standing might be somewhere in the world and then you attach you use it again uh, to attach the other end of the web and you will kind of spin a web between two points and uh, you can also use this in some kind of neat ways like if you're if you have a web that's strung across a room um, you can use the weaving web to kind of jump and drop down and kind of descend on a strand of webbing um, and then maybe get to the bottom of the room and attach it somewhere. Um, Or if you're hanging from the weaving web, you can press the grapple web button and it will pull you back up. So you have a ton of control over your motion 
while you are spinning the webs. And like putting these two things together is really cool. You can very quickly fill a room with these you know, webbed surfaces. And then, of course, all of them are things that you can climb on um, and, and attach more webbing to or leap from. So um, not only do you have a ton of kind of uh, grapple hook freedom, you're also really challenged to get into interesting places and do interesting things with the weaving web. And um, this is where a lot of the puzzles come in because a great deal, I would say the majority of the puzzles in this um, really surprised me by being about building things with the web rather than mm. uh, and moving objects around that are much larger and heavier than the spider by um, dragging them around uh, by attaching webbing in different places. And as you go through and you solve these puzzles, there's a third action that is this hilarious. Was by far this is great. the funniest thing because yeah. especially when it first introduces these mechanics, like it, it introduces the mechanics and like you're you're seeing your little boyfriend spider go through all of these things and it has some on-screen text where it's like, you know, shoot this to swing from webs. Uh string webs across gaps or whatever with your, you know, with your weaving web. And then it's like shoot lasers by holding this button. <laughs> and I, I lost it. I lost it at that great. point. But it's also like a super important mechanic in the game. Yes, this spider can shoot lasers from its eyes. No, that's not weird. I know this was originally not spider themed. I think they figured out the movement mechanic and re skinned the whole game accordingly and redesigned around it. But Is that I true? Find... I did not see that. That's well, really The early prototype. Yeah, I, I believe I did hear that from one of the developers that was originally uh, a grappling hook or something. It's like a blob or an alien of some sort grappling hook. And then they, they've, they've thought about the movement they wanted on the swing and were like, actually a spider. And they did a lot of, there's even a um, arachnophobia skin on here. If you're scared of spiders, you can turn off and like reorb the spider. But I, I think to me, I was like, I'm just going to mentally think of this as spit. Um, but <laughs> I think that's where the shoot lasers, but it's really like a nice undo button. It's like, no, I don't want that. Poof. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly you, what You do is. very much for, for a lot of the puzzles need a way to break the webs and they could have had you chew through it or whatever, but uh, you know, lasers are pretty cool and uh, it, it works very well. Uh, and you can kind of zap, uh, you know, a, a, a strand of webbing that you're sitting on by shooting straight down or mm -hmm. uh, anywhere you can see. Very cool. Also, importantly, the lasers, like, they, they hit with an impact, unlike an actual laser. And so if you are trying to move a heavy object around, of course, you can drag it. But you can also get behind it and shoot it with a laser and sort of, sort of scoot it that way. And um, in many cases, that is the fastest and easiest way to move an object around. So it became a pretty important part of how I was playing the game. So I feel like I need to take a second here and talk about like why I had a really hard time getting started in this game because like the game does the tutorials that introduces those three main mechanics, actually four if you count dancing, which is the other trigger button. Um, but like it introduces you to these three main mechanics, swinging webs, weaving webs, and lasers. And then it's like, all right, you're good. Go for it, buddy. Good luck. And, oh, also and, dancing. Uh, yes, of course, yes. also the dancing. And then it, it uh, it turns you loose and you very quickly realize or like find out via the like, you know, talking to other bugs that you're, you know, you're going to need help from the ants first and you need to go down into the ant hill and talk to the ants and they will ask you to help them with their construction project down in their ant hill in order to 
in, in exchange for giving you your help, giving you help with, uh, you know, saving your boyfriend. Um, and this is where the game came to a screeching halt for me several times because like I, I literally got to the anthill part and got to some of the early puzzles in the anthill section and found myself just flailing and frustrated and ended up thinking I had missed something important and restarting the game literally twice. And here's what it was that I was missing. So I'm just putting this out here for folks who are starting this game and might potentially be running into this because I think the tutorialization at the beginning is uh, really underbaked. Um, the, the, Shane already mentioned this. There's a huge amount of this puzzle, especially in this first section. And we'll talk about the different zones and areas and how they have different sort of puzzle design. And the first first section with the, the ants is, in my opinion, the worst. Um, the A huge amount of the puzzles in the ants area has to do with finding an object and moving it into the right place. So for example, there are, the ants have a lot of very advanced me- mechanisms down in their, in their anthill, including like plumbing and stuff. And you have to fix their pipes by putting, by like finding a broken piece of pipe and putting it back into place. And, uh, I initially thought, okay, obviously I need to use my weaving webs to attach that pipe where it needs to go because they have a natural elasticity. You like stick Mm -hmm. them to like the pipe piece and then another piece to where you want it to go. And it'll kind of like bungee up to where you want it to be, but it doesn't bungee that hard. It only bungees a little and you can keep attaching webs and it'll bungee a little closer and a little closer. But because this is so physics-y, it felt like I was just sort of like slamming floppy noodles together and hoping that eventually it would go into the right spot. And like I could kind of get it if I really fussed with every puzzle for a while, but I, it took me a really long time to get even like the, the simplest, most early puzzles there to, to work. And I thought I was doing everything right. And that this just had terrible puzzle design, that it was just too random. And then later, much later, I realized, Oh, that you can drag objects. This was the thing that it never really tutorialized. As far as I could tell, I didn't realize that you can both build a web from point A to point B and then use the spinning web, the one that you usually swing from, to grapple yourself onto an object and hold that button down and drag it behind you. And while you're dragging it behind you, you can still climb up other webs. So a ton of the puzzles in, the, in this early part of the game really come down to building a support structure for you to get an object from point A to point B and then grabbing the object with your grapple and climbing to put it in the right place. And once I figured that out, everything clicked into place and it made perfect sense. And I made a lot more progress, but like, man, I didn't get that initial, what's essentially a really important mechanic at all because it never really explains to you or shows you that you can drag objects behind you using your, your swinging web. And I guess it just never occurred to me. Listeners. Uh, I actually did not do that at all. Like I solved all the puzzles in a completely different way, uh, which is to say I, just used the um, the spinning web, uh, by which I mean the one that creates a uh, persistent web, um, to pull every object into the right place. And um, I'm really surprised because I found that like almost impossible to do for some of these puzzles. You know, like mostly it just matters about like, you, you know, you have to, it, there are a lot of them where you're trying to lift an object kind of straight up. And that just basically means I want to put like, a few webs on the left side and, and then a few webs on the right side and a few webs on the left side and a few webs on the right side. And eventually it slowly just sort of gets up there. It takes a lot more patience because that's what I was doing f- 
at the beginning until Reagan complained at the Discord and I found there was another way because I hadn't tried the 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 climb on the web because you end up doing lots of little threads and the tension gets closer and closer and you can pull up things you're not limited but it is slower than it might than the other technique that uh, Reagan mentioned um I, this is a bit like um I laughed a little. This is a little bit like chicory where like you go back to an area and there's like 70 webs in one room because you've tried to haul two tiny little mm-hmm. cogs in place and completely decimated the environment. I love that. Like I love going back through a space that like I previously spent a lot of time in and all my webs are still there. Yeah, that's great. And not just because like it, it kind of feels like you're leaving your mark on the game world, but also because like you know, I built that for a reason. Now there's a bridge to go where I want to go and it's faster now. It's like really fast to traverse areas you've been through before because you, your your structures are already built. Did you play on PC? Yes. So I played this on Switch and I think the um, the anchor point web of – on PC it looks like it's pick a point, click and drag, pick a point. Is oh, correct? Um, so – no, so I played on a gamepad, and it's the same mm. on PC. But um, this is another uh, mechanic that I didn't realize until a little later. Um, I'm sure it's in the tutorial, but I didn't. I think internalize it early enough, um, and that is that like you can click in your right stick, yeah, and it switches between the two modes. So when you're aiming the the building web, it has a mode where it, uh, it you know you point in a direction and it shoots in that direction, and then you can click in your stick and it switches to a mode where you can move a reticle around the screen in a much more mouse-like kind of way. Um, and uh, I mostly use the more sort of like uh, what's the I think is the default the sort of like yeah, press in a direction and shoot directional one. Yeah. yeah, which is a lot faster. But if you need to be precise, you can switch to this more mouse-like movement, and that uh, definitely lets you hit like exactly where you want to hit with those webs. Yeah, I, I just saw someone uh, when I was trying to figure out what the PC version looked like and which one to buy. It looked like a very satisfying, like, click, fling. Like, the the mouse movement looks beautiful. It's fine on Switch, but I do think that I was looking for other ways to do puzzles. And on if I was doing it on a PC, I would have just been super happy to click and drag my way through the way Shane solved puzzles. And I never would have looked for an alternative. Yeah, this even if you are doing it the way I was doing it, if you're on a PC, um, I have watched people solving some of these puzzles on PC, and just it's just probably twice as fast mm-hmm. uh, to lay down webs on the PC because it is a matter of just like you can do a lot, you can click spam a lot easier. Um, it's anchor points. It's just do 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 do, and on Switch you have to move your mouse click. It's like a much more laborious mm-hmm. process. It's not like mm-hmm. much more, but yeah. you know the difference between using a joystick and a mouse. Yeah, yeah. I um when I first was uh, having trouble with this game, I assumed that this was one of those things where like, well, this was really meant to be played with a mouse, and I should try it with a mouse and see if maybe I have an easier time. And I did not. Um, it has mouse and keyboard controls as an option, but I actually preferred the key, the the controller mm-hmm. option. And I think it's mostly just because most of what I was doing was like the the web swinging, the like movement around using your webs thing. That I felt way easier uh, on a on a gamepad. Um, but you know, yes. try both if you have both options. Uh, I think the PC version makes it pretty easy to switch back and forth between the two. Um, but don't feel like you're getting the wrong experience if you play it on a gamepad. It, you're not going to be mad it. on a switch. By any means. Yeah. I, I only saw that there was a 
you know, speed option basically on keyboard after on mouse keyboard after the mm-hmm. fact. So um there's a few other things we should probably talk about. Um we already briefly touched on the way this game looks, and the main thing that stands out to me about it is the animations, but something that really that I wanted to touch on about the, the, the visuals here is that I'm pretty sure what this game is doing is rendering higher definition, um, sprite art, uh, with like, you know, lots of points of articulation, um, and then running it through a sort of pixel style, like filter to make things look more pixelated. These are not like mm, hand for some of the characters and stuff. I could see that. Yeah. It, yeah, some of the so like environmental the spider, things, for example, like mm-hmm. there's a point where you, um, like uh, there's a there's a couple of puzzles in that involve like connecting these like loose hoses, um, that are are definitely that. Yeah, I was reminded of Dark Souls. Oh, not sorry, Dark Souls. Um, yeah. I was reminded of <laughs> um, obviously this is uh, the Dark like, Souls like, of spiders. Tell me how this game Dead is cells. Like Dark Souls. Dead cells is what I was trying to. <laughs> Dead cells. The, these these names, man. I was reminded of Dead Cells because they did that. They did like 3D characters, but they passed them essentially through a pixel filter in order to create 2D pixel art. And this has the feeling of that to me. Although I'm pretty sure it's not actual 3D models. It's more like. Um, like more high definition 2D models pass through a pixel filter. And usually I don't like that kind of thing. I feel like, you know, I like pixel art that's like hand drawn as pixel art. And I feel other way, other options are sometimes sort of cheats, right? Um, but this, I think it's brilliant because it allows them to do these like very fluid physics-y things that would almost never be possible with true pixel grid pixel art. The things that Shane mentioned, the like, the like hoses that flop, or the way that the um, the the uh, webs the, when they when they the are, webs, they're hanging, yeah. yeah, yeah, the way the webs can move at any angle and like connect in all sorts of interesting ways, um, and even little stuff like the the little tiny fast motions of the spider's legs that are just like really incredible animations that look great as pixel art, but I'm pretty sure that the the approach that they've taken here is to do these sort of like background, like high res versions of mm-hmm. things and then pixelify them. And it actually works here. It's a really cool. Yeah. Effect. Listeners, this is a very surprising thing for me to hear Reagan say, because I have on more than one occasion heard him decry uh, faux pixel art um, or, you know, he'll tell me, when uh, one of the games we cover um, has, uh, you know, this is taking non, a sixteen-bit dot, yeah, yeah oh. the non-integer scaling or or issues with how he thinks the um, the the pixel art is um, not seamlessly implemented. There's different uh, dimensions to things, and you know, pixel art that ro- I, I I've heard him get very angry about pixel art that rotates. Um, mm-hmm. in, uh, in inappropriate ways. Here, here's the thing that I think this game, that this game does that makes this work is that it is a consistent grid. The thing that always pisses me off here, I'm on the high horse that Shane was already making fun of me about. Um, the thing that always pisses me off is if you have things that are on different pixel scales or on like some things that are pixel art combined with other things that are not, I always think back to golf story, a game that I loved, but which I thought looked atrocious because it had pixel art graphics and smooth text fonts and, and text bubbles and other, other elements that were like not pixelified. This game Everything on screen is seen through a consistently sized and spaced and scaled pixel art aesthetic. 
it looks like pixel art. If you take a screen grab of this, you would say, well, maybe this was uh, like like a, a like a actual pixel art drawing, but it's being created in what I think is a very creative way. I think like Dead Cells did this well as well, um, and so I think it's. I think it's a really successful approach, and I'm surprised because I'm a I'm a complete asshole about this particular. And Reagan, thing. I I want to I want to stop for a minute because I was not making fun of you. I was celebrating your I appreciate uh, that, your Shane. obsession. It is uh, it is important that someone be um, keeping the old ways alive. <laughs> yes, and can I go on a Laura? Uh, patented rant which is the squash and stretch animation um yeah i was thrilled every time the spider jumped because they do um a perfect tilt of the abdomen it tilts up so the her back is up so she looks as if she's suddenly getting way taller her legs Mm. dangle down she basically stretches out in the air like she's relaxed and flying and then when she lands back on a branch she compresses briefly as if she's like landed with a thud and you do get a little bit of a haptic with it too Mm. and she just dips like a pixel or two down before easing back up and that's stretching and squashing that ease of motion gives her so much more personality than if she had just landed flat or moved on. Like they didn't have to, they didn't have to do any of that. I mean, Mm -hmm. they didn't have to make the mandibles move separately from the front legs, but it makes the dance animation so much funnier. Oh, it's so cute. They bother with a lot of extra animations just on how the movement works. And like the rotations of the spider, little things, they could have cheated. And when I was frustrated in some of the early puzzles, I just quite frankly dicked around a bit and had a lot of fun moving the spider around. And then I got happy and then I was able to do the puzzle again um, mm-hmm. because I was so charmed by the little, I mean, the victory of a sick, the, the hilarity of a eight legs. And then two of them raise and the rest yeah. are on the floor. It's just really funny. It really is. And it's also like, I, I don't know if you've ever seen, there, there's there's certain like little meme videos of spiders doing little dance-like movements that occasionally go around on the internet as gifts and whatnot. And it's like, this is both very cute and very cartoony and also kind of true to life. If you look at some of these uh, like videos of, of what, of certain types of ways that spiders can move. It looks very spider-like. Um, it's the animation is like so insanely good. And that's why I was saying like this game is like immensely gifable. Uh, you can see this spider do almost anything she does in this game. And you're like, wow, that looks great. She looks awesome. I want to play that spider. I want her to, I want to, I want to make her swing around and it is fun to swing around the mechanics, the core stuff, the, the, the webs, all of it works and looks great the whole time. Where it has some problems. Which the levels were in a different order. Yeah, Yeah, this is the bizarre thing. Like the okay, so there are there are really um let me talk about the main sections of this game. Uh so you do have this sort of introduction section, and we've kind of discussed that already. Uh there's a little tutorial starting area, and from there um it will take you to this kind of main tree. And the first NPC you interact with is a moth, which is a very cool looking moth. I mean, all the bugs are cool looking. I'll just stop saying that. Um, but the moth tells you, well, um, yeah, you want to save your boyfriend, do you? Well, let's Good build an elaborate contraption. <laughs> what? 
I, I just I was complimenting your moth voice. I oh, think thank it's you. very no, that was the very, voice in, um, in my head for the moth. Um, so the moth volunteers. He says everyone is mad at this bird. All the bugs. Um, your boyfriend is not the first to have been carried off. Um, and so he volunteers his nest, which is like a big rough orb of moth silk. Um, and he says that the ants, um, might be able to help, uh, turn this moth's nest into a, uh, essentially a hot air balloon (laughs) in order to reach the sky bower. Where he gives he, you um, blueprints for the hot air balloon he does. that he has designed, uh, which is like yes. another like place where this game continues to find ways to make its uh, its little bug inhabitants of this tiny little like incredibly and industrious. very <laughs> humanized. Yes, but the, anyway, the sections of the game are uh, so this introduction section, which centers around this tree, um, and this is the kind of hub and spoke design. You're going to be coming back here. Uh, between all the different sections as you assemble this hot air balloon. Um, but the first section you're going to is the anthill. Um, then there's a section in uh, kind of the canopy, which is kind of all around the the tree. Uh, there's a kind of a dung. Uh, that's also where the beehive is. Um, there's a kind of a dung hill section uh, where the dung beetles are. And there is a uh, sky bower, which is kind of the end, the final level. Um, once you've reached the um, magical nest that flies through the sky uh, that the bird lives in. Anyway, um, they could, I mean, with the exception of that kind of final level, the sky bower, they could very easily have made any of these the starting level. And or it made is, it open for you to access any of them. This exactly. is not some Metroidvania where you need something from one area in order to, the act, to access the others. No, but they they pretty much get you. It's very. I. It might even be possible. I'm not. I might really would like to replay the beginning because I felt very railroaded into the anthill. But it's mm-hmm. it's possible I could have gone to the canopy first. I'm not sure, but. Um, if, if that were a cha- choice, I would have a thousand percent gone to the canopy. The game more or less just tells you, you have to go to the yeah. first. And it was very not obvious to me if there was a way to go anywhere else first. It's, it's clear that like, that's where the game wants you to go first. Mm-hmm. And yet that area is by far my least favorite. And also <laughs> <disagree>. the disagree. <laughs> yeah. And the least, uh, the least, um, playable, uh, out of the gate. Like it, you get these fun, fluid swinging and movement mechanics and you think this is what this game is. And then immediately it encloses you in a series of increasingly tiny rooms, um, with, uh, with increasingly frustrating puzzles that all revolve around poorly tutorialized mechanics. Oh my God. The thing you have to build down there is ridiculous. It's, it is. Yes. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit about this anthill. So first I do have a a few positive (laughs) things to say about the anthill. This is not, I think a terrible level, uh, because what you're actually doing is um, badass. But yeah. um, the and and the the nice thing about the anthill is basically every surface is attachable with the webs. Um, yeah. So it's a very easy area to navigate in general. Um, but the anthill is the most uh, kind of assembly puzzle heavy it's it's like probably 75 percent of the assembly puzzles in the game um the ants 
are very willing to help you build this hot air balloon, but only if you first will help them to um, s- defend themselves against a rival uh, hill of red ants who are never seen in the in the in the game, which I think is a mistake. I want to see those. I, mean, we I want to see that war. We're all three from Texas. Like, yeah, yeah. Fire is the worst. We know that. Yeah. Um, but the ants want to build a mecha ant, a giant metal mechanical ant <laughs> to fight back. And um, in order to do that, the string of tasks that are required uh, is just comically long. You have to um, – Go to a power supply, a water supply, and a propellant room and reconnect um, and solve multiple puzzles in all three of those places. Um, You have to uh, build, uh, collect the parts for, build, and then deliver um, three legs for the mechana ant. Mecha ant, mechano ant, whatever it is. Um, You have to uh, get ore and then smelt and then um, fire treat and then deliver the giant deadly pincers for the front of the mecha, mecha ant. The smelting was got me. I was like, I have to smelt now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then um, you have to assemble all of those pieces, like literally putting them into place onto the mecha ant. Um, and by the way, while you're doing all of this, um, there is a side quest or sub quest to collect all of the ant larvae and deliver them back to the ant larva nursery. Um, so this Which is was a, very cute. They had little like it was a bunch of little like white grubs, but in there were a bunch of like uh, blocks like yeah. you'd see in a. It was so <laughs> cute. It was so hilarious. Like oh, I can so totally good. imagine these like little white wiggling grubs playing with their toys. It's very cute, but also. Uh, yeah, that was optional, yeah. so I skipped So when you – yeah, I, I got like – I got as many of them as I could, uh, but that is not my job. I am not your babysitter. Um, right. But the – that building the a proper world, ant, the spider would be eating those. Good. Yeah. <laughs> the, the task <laughs> of the mecha ant, like bi- the actual like – conceptually, it rules. Uh, visually, once you send that thing off, it's, it's super cool. It like smashes through a wall and the ants all line up and go to war that rules i wanted to see it kill red ants but uh, i'll forgive the game for not showing me that um but it was especially the section where you had to set up the like propellant and the water and the power room that i was i was dumbfounded by how many steps were involved and like reagan was saying some of these puzzles are um like It doesn't give you a lot of instruction on like how you should be moving objects around and so it takes a while Definitely, I came out of the anthill, like, very practiced at, at using my webs. <laughs> but um, the the funny thing is, that is nearly the last time in the game where you will be really asked to, to practice those skills. Like, all of those are – all of those tasks are done here. There are a few places later in the game where, um, like, there's some optional things you can do and a couple of places where – you have to like move some rocks onto something to like move uh, a moving platform like or whatever. Yeah. But this is pretty much it for for this style of puzzle. 
and it's going to work for you or it's not. Um, and it's for me, this was easily the worst shit in the game. Like I really so I already mentioned that I bounced off of this. I like I thought I didn't understand the mechanics of the game. And frankly, it that's that's correct. I did not. Um, but like I kept getting to about the point where Shane was describing you uh, trying to reconnect the pipes in the various like water and propellant rooms and whatever. And um Man, it was so frustrating, and I rage quit this game and started it over from scratch uh, three times. And if you did leave this game, that you'd be missing out on what are some really, really good puzzles. Like there, there are actually mm-hmm. really great puzzles in here. Like there's puzzles where um, you know you have to put once you get a cog into the machine and you start a bunch of big gears spinning. By the way, these are very industrialized ants. Um, the factory, uh, like you, you then, uh, there are like levers, um, and there's a puzzle where you have to, uh, web some levers to these spinning gears to basically automatically toggle the lever on and off to, to keep some doors opening and closing so you can navigate through stuff like that is really cool. And, and it really sells what this game does that is unique. So like, the the levels here in the anthill are though frustrating some of the most unique things that you're doing in game yeah i have to say that like i'm pretty sure i'm not alone in the issue i ran into here because i when i started running into this problem i thought like sure i must be doing something wrong i must be missing some key mechanic right Get good, so the first scrub. thing i did yeah so the first thing i did was go to youtube and look up some playthroughs of this game and I watched a uh, like a you know a YouTube playthrough where some YouTuber started playing through this game and got to the exact puzzle I was on, and he he took ten minutes to get up to the point that I was at, and then it took fifteen minutes for him to solve the puzzle that I was sitting there stuck on, and I was like my god! And then I went and watched a different YouTube uh, video, and and this guy blew through that section to the like so quickly to the point that like I couldn't find it in the video until I really did some fine grained scrubbing. And then once I saw this other approach, that of building, doing, you know, relying less on attaching, moving objects by attaching threads to them and instead relying more on building uh, up frameworks to use to climb and put objects where they need to be, then suddenly the whole game clicked into place for me and I got through the rest of the anthill in a single evening. Um, But altogether, like 80% of the time I spent in this game including my aborted playthroughs were in the anthill. Um, so like, I think that I can absolutely recommend this game to people, but with the understanding that if you are getting stuck in the anthill and you are spending a lot of time in the anthill, uh, look up how to do it. Watch mm-hmm. some videos of people doing it because it's, it's not meant to be infuriatingly hard. This game starts out feeling like, and looking like, and sounding like, I'll talk about the music in a second, sounding like a game that is intended to be playable by all ages and people at various skill levels. And then suddenly it felt like, felt like I was having to like execute complex trick shots in order to solve what seemed like they ought to be very basic tr- puzzles. It's not actually that. It just doesn't tutorialize what you're supposed to be doing in the anthill very well. Anyway. I kind of I kind of get it. I mean, it's it's puzzles. You don't want to give away the solution right. to puzzles, but uh yeah, it is it is a it is a big mechanical thing that it's not very clear I th- about. So. I felt dumb after I figured out what I was what I was missing. And obviously it sounds like Shane found an entirely different approach and that worked for him, but like 
I felt like an idiot once I figured out like that I could like build a ladder to climb up a place. But, um, you know, whatever. Anyway, it was a lot of fun after I got out of the ant hill. I felt a lot of resentment towards the ants. So uh, I don't think I found the joy in uh, building their stupid machine that Shane did. But once I well, got let's out talk of, about the some anthill, of these other sections, really, um, yeah, yeah. I love. So the there's the canopy is the next one I went to. And the canopy is a lot more like what I expected from this game in the first place, because right. you, know, you 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 get up there. The ants have now built uh, like a platform and they've dragged an engine up underneath the um, underneath the uh, the moth's nest. Uh, but the moth's nest is not uh, airtight yet. And the moth tells you, well, I bet that the bees with their wax could help with that. So um, you head off to where the uh where the bees are and this is a very linear section of the game where you're basically just going through uh one area after the next um and it's uh it's not like totally linear like there is a bunch of kind of branching paths you can take Mm -hmm. and there are some secrets secrets to discover there's a skatebird uh reference in here oh skatebird park um Mm -hmm. there's there are a lot of little secrets like, you know, there's like a wolf spider who's lost her babies and you can collect those babies. Um, that's another piece that my my son absolutely like flipped for. He wanted me to collect all the baby spiders. Um, but you're you're collecting as you go through a bunch of uh, kind of web swinging challenge areas. Uh, you're collecting pollen from orchids because you've been told that uh, the queen will help you if you bring her a tribute of 20 pieces of orchid pollen. Um, so there's not that much to say about this section, apart from the fact that like the, the web swinging mechanics are really well showcased here. Um, it gets a lot less generous with places you can attach the web. Uh, so you have to do a lot more aerial jumps and stuff like that, or, um, use, uh, the web to create long ramps to get into ac- you know, to access areas you couldn't otherwise. It's pretty cool. Uh, anybody else have any thoughts on that area? Uh, I liked the dialogue with the bees. Uh, oh, yeah. they were very cute and there's a whole bit where they're like, uh, you know, spawning a new princess bee. Uh, and I, I just thought that was really great. Um, but yeah, overall, I just, thought this moved at a pace that I was much more accustomed to or expecting out of the game rather. Yeah. And also, um, uh, the, uh, I was initially a little annoyed that like, okay, now I've moved from the like puzzle area. I don't like to something that I also typically am not a huge fan of, which is like collect 20 of the blank in this big open area. But in this case, I wasn't bothered. There's a lot more than 20 of the flowers. Um, and I easily connected, collected enough of them while just sort of, casually moving through the area trying to get to the Good beehive point. so mm-hmm. i did not have any big issue there it was it, i did not find myself like hunting for that one last bit of pollen at the end same here same here yeah um and then the 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 last section on the ground before you take to the skies um is the dung hill um and this was really in a lot of ways it was similar to the canopy um except uh whereas in the canopy there were a lot of uses of like spiky vines and just the ability to kind of fall out of the level and die. Um, the dung hill has a lot of like slick walls and floors. Um, slick with what? I'd rather not consider. Uh, the, uh, so and and way fewer 
places to attach your web than just about anywhere else in the game. Like th- there's uh, there's little spots of moss on the wall, and that's pretty much the only place you can you can grapple to. Um, so this is a really fun area. I it did not take me very long. It has one really cool. Um, like, like every other area, by the way, there's like an optional thing you can be doing, like the ants, there's the larva to collect. Um, there's the pollen and the wolf spiders. The pollen is kind of required, but the wolf spider babies are optional. Uh, this area had flies. Uh, the flies are kind of spread around, but you can eat the flies. Uh, one thing I'll mention is, uh, there is an option to turn on, uh, in the settings that says eat flies automatically without pressing a button. And that made collecting the flies a lot easier. Nice. I didn't realize that was there. I didn't have trouble uh, getting the flies. I thought it was it was fun to build webs and catch them in them. Uh, and I, I had I was very much reminded in this section of uh, like the spider games we've covered previously on the show, like Spider Secret of Bryce Manor and the other one, the Shrouded Moon. Um, that game was all about building webs and then using those webs to trap insects and then eat the insects. And here, it was a lot of fun to do that. Uh, yeah. It's a little different sort of mechanically, but like pretty much the same. And that is always something I will enjoy doing in a game, building a spider web and trapping an insect in it and then going and finding that insect that is trapped. Y- in. You can also just like if you use the grappling um, silk, you can just like latch on to a moving spider oh. and then you like catapult around it and it like get dragged behind it which rules it's hilarious every time it happens it absolutely rules yeah so this was the last section of the game that i got to i didn't get any farther than this because like i said at the beginning i had to restart the game several times out of frustration and so i didn't have enough time to actually complete it so i didn't get to the sky bower i'm not sure if it's worth discussing here since that does sort of feel like late game content and maybe would be considered spoilerish but for Shane, I don't know, Laura, if you got to the later stuff, do you want to talk about the end game material or is it sure. worth uh Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so so from this section, there's a there's a couple of things I'll I'll tell you. One is a just a general warning. The first time I went through this dunghill section, as as you get most of the way through it, there's a place where um there's like a warning sign and like an opening and you can if you drop down through that opening, like I did, you end up back in the anthill, um, which is a huge backtrack and was really annoying to me. I don't know even why they have it designed like that. Um, like, why is that door there? But uh, yeah. <laughs> at the very at the very top, there's a, there's also an optional section where um, you can um, build a bridge for two dung beetles who are trying to cross a couple of ponds. Um, this is similar to, you know, if you hated the, uh, the puzzles in anthill, like this is kind of the same thing. Uh, but I thought it was really well done. Um, like you have to drag some, uh, branches around and like web them together. Um, and then your webbing structure has to be able to support the weight of two gigantic beetles, which is pretty, pretty sweet. Um, and then once you get to the very top, uh, there are, there's a family of dung beetles and they have just a gigantic, uh, dung ball. And they tell you, uh, listen, our son is is in that dung ball, and uh, he does not want to come out. Uh, if you can get him out, uh, you can have as much of this wonderful dung as you wish. And uh, you roll the dung ball down a hill um, in a sequence that was absolutely uh, hilarious because I was like, trying to like I was webbed to the side of the dung ball and getting way fl- flailed around as it rolled down the hill 
and like running backwards on the top of the dung ball to stay on top of it. Um, and then it gets, it rolls all the way back down to the tree and it gets smashed. And, uh, then you can, uh, get some dung into the engine of the, um, hot air balloon. Um, I will, I will mention here something that totally stymied me and I wasted a ton of time right here is like you get this wonderful, um, you have like an ant foreman who tells you, who gives you blueprints that show up in your like guidebook, uh, for like how everything should be assembled. And you have to get the dung ball into the engine. Um, lots of places built by the ants have a elevator somewhere. Like watch out for red switches that turn elevators on and off. I completely missed the elevator. And I ended up like using uh, like this was the true final boss of the game was me <laughs> hoisting the dung ball up the entire tree. Um, using my, um, now apparently flawed method of like using multiple, uh, consummate V's of webbing. To the V work. method works. Yeah, it, it does. It's a little slow. It does work. But once I got it all the way to the top, that is when I noticed that there was an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So there is an elevator to lift the dung balls from the, from the ground all the way up. And then you get it in and, and, uh, the B and the ant foreman, climb into this thing with you and it goes up through a storm in a sequence that was a little too long, but still pretty sweet. Um, if you fall out, the bee will catch you. So you're not like, you're not like too, too worried about it. Um, and you get all the way up to the sky bower, which is cooler than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I didn't know what to expect from a sky bower, but it is basically a structure made out of, uh, a combination of sticks and glowing blue magic rocks that float. Oh, <laughs> I looked up bower birds. Like they actually do collect blue stuff. So yes. like, that's it's it's accurate. Like, yes, it is, and that, that is why cool the bird grabbed your blue boyfriend because your blue oh. boyfriend's blue butt was the perfect addition to his magic bower in the sky. Um, and this level is pretty sweet. I would say it's kind of like the canopy area in that, like, it's a lot of, like, open areas that you have to swing around and not fall out. Uh, but it has, like, a lock and key design to the different areas where mm. you have to get these floating blue stones into the right little grabbies uh, in okay. order to open a door. Um, and you, there's a long section where you are running with Sorry, there's a long section where you're running with the boyfriend. You get him back, um, and he can open the the blue grabby doors uh, with his glowy blue butt, which is terrific. Um, and uh, there's lots of times where the like the bird is like sticking its head into the area where you are trying to eat you, um, and then uh, you know you uh, save the day, and that's the end. It was a great. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I've, I had like I think by the time I got to the very end. I got far enough to where um, I was running with the boyfriend and then I ran out of time. Um, there is a section at the end that I went ahead and and uh, and looked up where you do more or less directly fight the bird and like uh, <laughs> it, fight it with the mech ant, which I really want to see. I didn't get to do oh, that yeah. yet. But um, cool. yeah, so um, th- yeah, th- that's the overall structure. It's like pretty pretty basic it's like go fetch something here go fetch something there go fetch something there 
uh, with go fight some the boss. really wild, great mechanics. Like it, I can't overstate how how completely into the movement and web mechanics I was throughout the entire thing. Even when I was getting frustrated with the game, Super they good. just com- continue to be great. And we'll leave on one more note. I the stickers you get for achievements are also skins. So you can put on a little hard hat after you finish the mech ant. Like nothing is more satisfying. A plus. I did not realize that. That's awesome. Dang. Yeah, a lot that? of those are. Um, a lot of those are 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 cool. Uh, the only one I found that was like a secret one was the robotic ant, but that was pretty <laughs> pretty cool. You can change into a lot of different ants. I think if you, that's that's how they reward a lot of the side quest stuff is to give you um, like stickers for your sticker book that you can use to like change your appearance. You do all the the nurse. You do all the grubs, and yeah. then the nurse ant gives you a sticker. And when you go to change your skin, you're just wearing a nurse's hat, Aww, <laughs> which adorable. I wore for a while. And I was like, I found all the grubs. <laughs> that was unnecessary, but I got lost. <laughs> There's two last little things that were on my list of, of things to mention about this game. Uh, one is that its map is like one of those maps that's like. Uh, not super useful, but is super good. Uh, it's like visually beautiful, and uh, it it represents the area that you're you know exploring in a sort of very zoomed out kind of way, and doesn't show you like actual rooms or how they connect, but it does show you little dots on the map indicating that there is an area there and whether or not you've explored it and whether you found everything. Um, so you know you can't, for example, tell like can I get from this area to this area. Um, but you can tell, roughly speaking, where you are, and you can tell if there are areas that you haven't explored that are that you know that seem like something that you need to check. Yeah, out. it also tells you if there are like collectible items in a particular room that you missed, right. like a grub or whatever. And that's important because, um, especially the grubs were pretty well hidden sometimes behind secret walls. Yeah, so if you're trying to do like a completionist attempt of this, um, there are tools there to help you with that. Um, And it's also just visually a cool map. But the other thing I was going to mention briefly is the music. Um, This game, I don't think is going to be like winning any like wild soundtrack awards. But the thing that really stood out to me about it is how Mario it sounds. Uh Um, Like this is a very Mario soundtrack. And there's especially one track in the uh, in the ant level, which I can tell you I heard a zillion times because I was stuck there a long time um, that I could swear has one of the, it's one, you know, you ever hear a sound, a song where you're like the first bar of this is just the same as a different song that's in the back of my brain. And then it goes in a different direction where you're like, is this, no, this is not. Um, I could, sw- I'm pretty sure that the sound, the song that this was like directly aping is something from the, uh, the like Yoshi's Island soundtrack. Mm. And if, even if it's not, even if I'm like misplacing it, like this has very clear like Mario soundtrack vibes, at least from what I'm hearing uh, to the to the, the soundtrack. So um, if that's the kind of music that appeals to you, I think you'll probably like the soundtrack. It didn't like absolutely bowl me over, but it was very Mario. Um, so I think this game, you know, I, sort of in summation, this is a really good game that I think is marred by a, a, a potentially difficult uh spot towards the beginning that you could easily overcome having now listened to us talk about it a a bit. So, you know, you'll probably have a better experience than I did with this having, having heard that you don't have to spend a hundred hours trying to, trying to, uh, lasso pipes together. Um, you just build a thing and you're good. And, um, 
like this game just got better and better and better as it went on. So I would absolutely recommend people check this out. Oh yeah. Um, even if you don't have a, a, a five-year-old watching you on Twitch when you play it. Or if you do, or if you do. Um, and I mentioned earlier, this is on uh, PC and switch and consoles, but I don't remember which ones off the top of my head. I also don't have the price in front of me, but you can probably look it up. I'm pretty sure this is a $20 game. I believe yep. that's what I spent. Awesome. Okay. And it was worth so, it. I think, I mean, this is a game that uh, I think it is. I mean, we have, we have, we should do more platformers for this show. Mm-hmm. And that is, I am not always been, I've not always been in the mood for platformers, it's not always my genre, but we've done a few good ones lately, and I just it's wet my appetite. I want to do more. There are more on my list, man. We have other platformers we can do, so I'm eager to. I'm glad to hear that. I love doing. I love P- puzzle platformers, or also, but not not like not like. I, I, I'm not. I'm not ready for like what we had last week again. <laughs> I, I like no it more all, Metroidvanias. Dude. I like it all. Um, so let's see what's, uh, what bothers you again. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, Uh, we could probably do five more episodes on Baba is you and, uh, never run out of things to talk about because that game has so many puzzles. This is the Baba is you podcast where we talk in for a full hour about each puzzle in Baba is you. I have an idea Uh, that, I mean, this is probably something I should have saved for a planning meeting, but maybe I'll just say it now and see if the listeners respond to this at all. I think it would be kind of cool if we looked for some games that are more in the like 20 hour range with the idea that we might spend two episodes on them. Kentucky Route Zero or Life is Strange style. Yeah, like there there are a lot of games that are like just a little outside of our, uh, you know, time budget for this show that are still pretty short. Like, you know, what would it be like if our show stretched it just just a little, just a little bit? Mm-hmm. Well, and we well, played yeah. one game for two weeks. Oh my god! I think if you know if there's a game that supports discussion for two weeks, then sure. I'm, I mean, there's I'm probably a lot of them, but I ignore all of them because this is what we do. Yeah, that is that is, that is that's the case. True enough. True enough. Well, then, with just a little bit of time, uh, let's do a quick what's making us happy this week. Uh, Laura, what's making you happy this week? A friend at work recommended a podcast to me with the disclaimer: you personally are going to love this. And then when I found out it was called Normal Gossip, I was a little offended. Uh, But then I listened to it and went, uh, she got my number. It was absolutely right. Normal Gossip is a podcast uh, about just people telling third-hand anonymous gossip stories. And they're short. They're juicy. uh, They are not... The, the protagonist is never in the wrong, you know, it's gossip, but it's it's very fun. What, there's been knitting circle drama. Um, there's been like someone dated a really hot bartender who was living in maybe like his parents' house, but it got really weird. There's like, why are all these Amazon packages coming to my neighbor's house and sitting in the hallway? Um, and the most recent one was definitely about like, illegal dog parks and maybe this woman is claiming to be a marathon runner and she's not just great. This is all the stuff that I used to get at parties and I don't cause I don't go to parties. And when I go to parties, I know every single person in the room incredibly well because we're in a COVID bubble. So <laughs> I think that, uh, this is just delightful. It's, um, hosted by Kelsey McKinney and produced by Alex Laughlin and it's from defector. 
there are going to be eight episodes in the season and then they're going to, and they're off season, just post voicemails from listeners contributing gossip. And it's going to be just wild. Can you imagine what a two minute voice memo of the mm-hmm. best gossip that you've heard third hand tied together, like six of those released is going to do. I, I co-signed this recommendation because I, I listened to just one episode so far, but I did enjoy it. And uh, I did realize it, it, it feels like such a brilliant thing. Like, you know, here we are deep in COVID. If you're, if there's, you know, you probably are missing gossip from your life, even if you don't realize it. Um, it's not a thing that I like, you know, got a ton of in my life, but I certainly don't get very much of it anymore. And being able to sort of indulge that as like, feeling good about like it's, yes gossip is is okay it is a it is a part of human interaction that has value and it's and just is a self-indulgent thing and, friend of a friend stories that, like you don't know anybody involved so you don't have to you can judge everybody in the stories because you don't know any of them like all that good stuff of gossip and not like actually having to solve your friend's problems it is a pretty pretty brilliant conceit for a podcast, so I'm definitely looking forward to listening to more of it. Um, I, I have a thing to recommend this week for my What's Making Me Happy, and it is – so I want the listeners to forgive me in advance because this is extremely nerdy, extremely techy, and also kind of on the expensive side, so it might sound like a kind of a humble brag or something. So I, I want to ask forgiveness in in uh, in advance, but it was just something that I was talking about with Laura, and it has is something that has improved my life a lot in the last little while in like very specific techie ways. So I want to specifically recommend um, Synology NAS products, Synology network attacks, attached storage. And I'm sure there are other brands. I know there's like other popular NAS uh, options and there's like DIY options where you can, you know, basically build your own. Um, for me, the, the size and, uh, and simplicity and, you know, uh, ease of use was, was worth the extra money. But I have for years run a server in my house that was a I have I was actually on my third Mac mini tasked for this purpose, which mostly was just there to um, serve files and do other sort of servery things around my house. So over the years, that was things like a Plex server for for, you know, streaming video, uh, but also just like backups of my computers and lots of other stuff. Um and I had enough trouble with my Mac Mini recently, uh, and didn't want to buy a brand new one for this purpose. Uh, that I decided to try uh, a purpose-built NAS solution, and I bought a four-bay Synology and put three 14 terabyte drives in it, which is a lot of storage, uh, even with its like redundancy. That's like twenty some odd um, terabytes of storage, and. Just having one of these, you immediately start finding things that it will be good for, right? Like as soon as you have one of these devices in your home with just an absolute ton of space, like you immediately do the obvious stuff. You set all of your computers to back up to the thing and they just sort of do that and you never worry about your backups. They're all just happening. It's great. Um, You put all of your, you know, in my case, huge production files for the podcast on there. So they're no longer cluttering up hard drives around my house. Um. And uh, they're easily accessible from things like my iPad in ways that I could do when they were on the Mac mini, but it was inconvenient. Now there's like purpose built apps for it. It's really nice. Um, But then you start thinking of other stuff. So like, 
all sorts of stuff is running on this. I've got a pie hole instance running on it to block ads on my network. I've got uh, the Unify controller that runs my router running on this thing, and it runs better than it did when I was previously running it on another device. I've got it uh, running uh, st- software to like integrate things into my smart home setup. So I've, I run Homebridge on it. I've got it run, obviously I've got it running Plex, so it's streaming video to every TV in my house. I've got it running... Uh, like Comga, which is like a comic book library manager. So I have like a centralized library of all my comic books, uh, little stuff like that. It, uh, and it can, it can do so much more stuff. Like you can run, you can run like windows VMs on it and stuff like that. If you have like software that you want to run that only runs on windows that you just want to put, you know, running on a, on a virtual machine in your closet somewhere. It's been awesome. And yeah, it was a little expensive, but like I like I think the the box itself was like six hundred bucks, and then you know there's the additional cost of hard drives, so that's not nothing. But like it's way cheaper than what I'd previously been doing with a Mac Mini, and it's been so much more like just simple to use for all of these purposes that I just like really like it. So I, I know can that's co-sign really- this because um, Reagan runs like I said his media server. You, you said that Plex server. Um, and I have had access to his Plex server when it was running on a Mac mini and it actually runs better for me accessing his movies from my house, <laughs> um, from this thing. So, uh, thanks Reagan. I've been watching yellow jackets on it. Uh, and, uh, yellow jackets is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're welcome. So yeah. Um, uh, so that's my recommendation for this week is if you have a reason to have one of these types of devices in your house, uh, I, th- I think the Synology ones are really good. <laughs> Uh, Shane, what's making you happy this week? Well, I already spoiled it. I'm I'm enjoying Yellow Jackets, and I'm going to talk about that <laughs> another time because Kamigawa Neon Dynasty is out, the hot new magic uh. set. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I should talk about Yellow Jackets, but I am going to spend a minute telling you all to check out what I think is the best magic set. This is a new modern classic for magic sets. Um, so a, a little about why I think so. Um, The story here is it's a return to the world of Kamigawa, which is the kind of uh, Japanese mythology-inspired world from magic that was originally printed in a set all the way back in 2004. And it was famously the least popular magic set of all time (laughs) at that time. Um, What has happened though is over time like i think americans have become much more literate in japanese pop culture um and so what they've done in the return to kamigawa now so many years later um is they have taken what was a world and a set of cards about like japanese mythology and they have mixed that beautifully with japanese pop culture and so you have a uh, kind of a cyberpunk, uh, modern, high-tech, uh, Japanese-inspired world where you're going to have um, mechas fighting uh, kami. And it is absolutely wild. It has crazy mechanics. Like, there's this wonderful uh, reconfigure mechanic where you have... Uh, creatures that can turn into equipment for other creatures. There's like literally Voltron <laughs> can be assembled mm. in this set. And uh, like literally I, Voltron, did they license Voltron or is this like no, it is, the Magic it is, the Gathering Voltron? It is the everything that when they do it and nearly everything they do in Magic is like the Magic take on this or that. 
Uh, the but, reason I ask is that I looked, uh, so I, I knew nothing about this set, but then I had a real laugh when I uh, I saw some stuff come across my Twitter feed that was like Magic the Gathering, uh, you know, Kamigawa, whatever, featuring Hatsune Miku. And I was like, oh no, fi- finally, finally, Shane is a bigger weeb than me. Finally, right. he's into Hatsune Miku. <laughs> well, what's happening here is they've really gone all out on the marketing for this set. Um, and I can't tell whether it's because they feel like this set really needed to be pushed in terms of marketing or whether they knew this was going to be like an all-star classic, like I think it's turning out to be. And they really wanted to you know, let people know. Uh, but they've had uh, a tie-in manga. Uh, they have had a tie-in visual novel they have done the Hatsune, they have had a song from Hatsune Miku. Uh, they have done, they have gone all out on the marketing uh, for this set, which I'm, I'm here for. I, I really want to check out that visual novel. Uh, the world of this set, I think, is genuinely unique. It is a really cool combination of like this uh, kind of magical tradition with like high tech. Uh, in the cards, it's expressed with like enchantments representing the kind of traditional side uh, and artifacts representing the technological side, if you know kind of the card types in Magic. Um, and I absolutely am crazy for that. I am a big artifacts player, and uh, enchantments are sweet too. So, um, you know, enchantments versus artifacts is pretty killer. That's all I really want to say about it before I kind of ramble too long. But if you are interested in Magic, this is a cool set. <laughs> I'm glad it honestly does look pretty cool. And um, I think while I'm not that interested in Magic the Card Game, like, you know, I'll check it out every now and then, but it's not really my thing. Um, I do like that they seem to be like building this world and doing more with the world than just the card game pictures, right? Like it's, the world is appearing in more ways than just tiny little scraps of text at the bottom of a playing card. You've got things like this visual novel and stuff. And I think that's really cool. Like I feel like if they're going to spend all the money, effort and time having writers and artists create stuff for their mythology, do other things with it. And that's Absolutely. cool. So uh, if, if you check out the visual novel, let me know how that is. They've been doing incredible stuff along that line. Like it, there was for many, many years, a very clear delineation between like the brands that wizards owns. So you know, you would not get your magic in your Dungeons and Dragons and vice versa. And that has kind of been obliterated. Uh, there was a fairly well-received magic set based on D&D. But what I've really loved is the D&D books based on these magic worlds. Uh, they have been absolutely great. They did a book based on uh, the kind of magic's wizard school themed set called Strixhaven. It's like if you... If you like something that's like if you're looking for Harry Potter, but give zero dollars to J.K. Rowling, uh, Strixhaven is absolutely great. Um, And it is a very good uh, Dungeons and Dragons source book. Cool. That's that's awesome. Well, um, thank you for that report on the world of Magic the Gathering, Shane. Uh, Update complete. Ding. Uh, So... Listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game and for bearing with us through Shane's Magic the Gathering update. I know you all enjoyed it. Um, the uh, The show can be found on all of the places. You can go to www.theshortgame.net where you'll find all of our back 
episodes. You'll find our contact options. You'll find a link to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the short game, which is how you can support the show. We love our patrons. Every one of them gets an invite to our discord, which is where we talk about the show. It's been particularly active lately and has been a fun hang. Um, and uh, also if you subscribe at the $5 level, uh, which we, we really love it when people do that, I will personally send you some stickers uh, with the short game logo and, uh, and uh, show art and stuff. So, uh, you know, get you some stickers. Uh, and uh, of course you can find us on the internet or on Twitter at underscore short game. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. Uh, watch Yellow Jackets. All right. And uh, listeners, thank you once again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. <laughs>